good is Australia? This fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of politics. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. Hello and welcome back to Decode, the Batuta Advocates political podcast. The budget was last night, so we are bringing you news from the trough, special budget edition where we run through all of the news out of the announcement of what's happening with the nation's books from the treasurer, from the government. My name is Wendell Hussey. Dior Dave's with me in the studio here at Desert Rock FM. How are you, Dior? Mate, I am brilliant. Mm. I tell you what, World Cup finals, Olympic 100-meter sprints, you know, Super Bowls, they don't compare to budget night. I'm frothing. This is the shit we live for. Yeah, absolutely. Thrilling. Adrenaline. The adrenaline as Jim Chalmers is going out, you know, it's spine tingling stuff. It's like the players assembling at the World Cup Stadium for a final. It was was really incredible. Absolutely. Kind of vibes. We are, of course, joined on the other end of the line by Leslie Burley, who has now emerged from the the budget lock in. Les, how are you traveling? Good. Doing a bit of a post-game recovery. I flicked through lots of pages yesterday, so I've got a few paper cuts, got a bit of an RSI developing, but I think I will recover well and truly in time for the next budget in 12 months from yeah. now. Yeah, good. Been getting, you- into the, uh, been getting into the ice bath work, some Gatorades and stuff like that. Yeah, the ice bathing, <laughs> yeah. Lots of um, Voltaren mm. on the shoulders, on the joints, mm. but, you know, got to do what you got to do. The finding, we did a story in The Advocate a few months back saying that people who enjoy ice bars were, tend to be the kid who used to shit in the trough at school, just clearing up. Are you a you shit in the trough kind of person or not really? I haven't shat in the trough, but I have definitely thrown shit around in Canberra in the trough. Nice. Mm, like that, yep. Les. Yep. Are you one of those people that gets really excited for the lock-in? Like are you a journo who shaves your carrot to it? Oh, yeah, I didn't sleep the th- several mm. nights beforehand, which some would say is counterproductive, but that's just how, ha- like, the energy in Canberra is just buzzing. You political journos, you're a funny type. I love listening to, to all of you get so excited about this budget lock-in and all the things you're going to do and can't wait to get in there. It's like footy lock-ins, right? That's what you guys need to do. All the journos need to do a footy lock-in every once in a while where you're locked in the sheds with, you know, however many cases of two is new or Forex gold or whatever Mate, you're into. No need. No, no need. need. You just got the, the budget, budget lock-in. our state of origin. Yeah, nice. We don't need anything else. Love that. There's red, yeah. there's blue. Yeah. There's fights, there's biff. Exciting. Well, look, you have to come face-to-face. All these journos who talk shit about each other online, they have to come face-to-face in the budget lock-in, which if people aren't familiar, basically all the journos get locked in in a room, right, with the budget before it's released and announced and they get to pour through and get all their talking points out of it. So when Jim Chalmers reads it out, they're ready to hit the ground running. I'm kind of surprised that of all the years they've had the budget the budget lock-ins, that's uh, no one in Canberra has just you know swiped the key, changed the locks, and kept them all locked in there indefinitely. 
I mean, keep the party going. Well, get, out, get our Les out. Get our Les out of there and then, yeah. Leave, the, leave the rest in. On, yeah. yeah, and see what happens. I'll see um, what I can do next year. Yeah. But there has been plenty of buzz. We're going to run through the big talking points out of it. Obviously, you were flipping pages for hours and hours, getting paper cuts and blisters, Les. So you're going to kind of talk us through some of the big points. But overall feelings, my friends, thoughts? I mean, I was just saying it before the show, it's unsurprisingly disappointing. You know, it's kind of follows the whole theme that the Labor government is going with where they're hitting some of the right areas, just not enough into mm. those areas, it yeah. seems like. They're so, so scared of being a Labor government who just spends heaps of money when time's tough that they're just not spending too much money on anything other than stage three tax cuts. Yeah. Leslie, you, your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. Similarly, look. I'm all for a financially responsible budget because we are staring down a pretty scary few years ahead of us. Mm. However, it's all about what you prioritize and you make decisions around what you prioritize spending. And there are definitely priorities within this budget that are much, much higher up the list and things that are much, much lower. Mm. And Labor Party, the Labor Party's priorities, I don't think align with a lot of the people who would have voted for them. Yeah, it feels like they're not really sure if they know what their priorities are anymore. It's like a moody teenager's budget for me, like kind of in that formative era, not really sure what they're doing. Do they want to be like their parents, the, a.k.a. the previous Labor government? Do they want to be someone different? Do they want to be seen? They want to go through the emo phase. Like they're just, they're just not really sure what the fuck they're doing with this yeah. budget. And it's just offered up something that has some good things in it, but also has plenty of just shit. Like a week kind of, you know, after a big weekend, sitting down, it's it's a shit with not a lot of consistency in it that kind of just falls out of you. And there are some things that stick out if you want to stand up and poke your head back in and see what it is you've done. There are some things that stick out, but generally it is just a big big pile of runny shit, I reckon. Yeah, it's one of those ones that you come out of it not really feeling a whole lot better than you did going into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got it out. You got rid of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, are you are better you, for the experience? Do you feel that Maybe. much better? No, not really. No. You're, just, you're just a little bit lighter. So that's that was kind of where I landed on it. Um, Couldn't have put it better myself. The economics of it all, <laughs> Leslie, they're saying that we, we got into the surplus for the first time in... Decades, 15 feels like. years. 15 yeah. years, yep. It feels emotionally it's longer than 15 <laughs> years. Yeah, but really since the global financial crisis in a way, not yeah. exactly but pretty much, which if you cast your minds back to 2008 when Kevin Rudd was Prime Minister, about 30 Prime Ministers ago, yeah. So it's been a really long time. They're not running around declaring back in black in mm. the same way that the Liberal Party did the mugs a few have been years left in ago. The yeah. yeah, but they are taking credit for it, though. Which, which is pretty funny, isn't it? It's not real. <laughs> like, <laughs> we could, Pretty much every single economist and most journalists who've reported on this have agreed that the Labor Party hasn't created this. It's more to do with a bit of a trade boom and other things going yeah. on. So, And it's also going to be short-lived because we are going to be in a $5.2 billion surplus, which is a good thing. That's a yeah. good thing to celebrate. But it's going to drop immediately and yeah. it's, it's going to stay there for 
at least three years. The thing Labor can take credit for if they do pull it off, but this is a big if, is if they're still in government in four or five years' time, they do come out of that temporary red. But that's something they can't take credit for. No, no. Because they haven't done no, it. This is that's absolutely, what they're proposing they will yeah. do, but we have no idea. Yeah, this is absolutely like classmate who hasn't done anything on the assignment putting their name on it and like putting a couple of finishing touches, maybe doing a proofread on it. Yeah. Mm. Adding some that- uh, adding some transitions yeah. in between slides, like yeah. a star wipe or something and going. All I did these my changes bit. that create this budget surplus which we've got, which is five point two billion dollars more going in than is going out of the government covers, that really, as you said, comes from different resources booming and different things happening and credit to the previous government, some work that has been done there to get it back into surplus. Like this isn't this isn't really the work of the Labor government and it does go back in a deficit to the tune of like $100 billion over the next couple of years as Just well. Just a small amount, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, as you said, it'll be, it will be what they can do moving forward with it. But, yeah, cheeky little name on the end of the assignment that they haven't done too much with. Yeah, because we are going to hit what is predicted to be two years of weakest global growth in the last kind of 20 years. So basically the whole global economy is going to stall. We don't know if it's going to crash and collapse, but it's definitely going to stall. And things like unemployment might go up as well. They're hoping that wages will go up alongside that. But still, if unemployment's going up and wages are going up, it not yeah. everyone wins mm. in that situation. So yeah, it was kind of like things are great, but <laughs> don't get too excited because yep. it's going to get shit soon. Yep. Woohoo. Thing, um, things are great because of what we've done, but they're going to get shit soon, but we haven't done those things. It's so, not our fault that it's yeah. going to get shit. Yeah. yeah, just remember us for this one year where we got into surplus, please, which yeah. we didn't actually do. Which I think is maybe a good segue into some of the decisions that they've made. Yeah. So they've kind of said to the general public, things are going to get shit. Mm. but we're only going to do a little bit to help you. One of those very little things that they are doing (laughs) to help, and this is a big ticket item that a lot of people have heard about, some may say a small ticket item, is a $40 per fortnight increase for people on welfare, so your job seeker, your Oz study. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I reckon my grocery budget has gone up about $40 a week, and I'm pretty... Frugal. When I go down to the local Batuta IGA, I do not splurge. I'm pretty frugal. And that increase has occurred after years and years and years of people saying that this wage, this Mm. this welfare wage needs to increase. And so I just cannot see a world where $20 a week is going to save anyone. No. Mm. Yeah, and it's $40 a fortnight and – Morrison raised it by 50 in 2021. So they've been dwarfed by a coalition government on welfare and it falls so, so far short of what they've been told they should do. The government actually, they commissioned an expert panel to basically come up with recommendations for what needs to happen to welfare payments. It had like a, it's got like a five word name, expert panel, 
commissioned by the government and they were like, you need to raise the fuck out of Job Seeker. Yeah, and by several hundred dollars. Yeah, by several hundred bucks. It needs to go up to just under $1,000 a fortnight, which would cost roughly $34 billion. But Jim Chalmers was like, yeah, no, nah, sorry, we're not doing that. Just shrugging your shoulders and going, inflation, and then mm. doing nothing else yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And a lot of people have drawn the parallels between this and the lack of addressing the stage three tax cuts, which we've spoken about before. But to recap, that's the really high, high income tax bracket. We're talking, you know, the very, very, very rich top 5% or 1% of the country or something who they, they currently get taxed more than us. And that difference between us being the poorer people and them being the richer people is meant to be reduced when these stage three tax cuts come in. And the Labor Party are going to lose billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. $248 billion over 10 years is what the stage three tax cuts are going to cost us. And yet disproportionately- an increase to yeah. welfare for years and years and years and years. Yeah, pretty much it would right. offset raising welfare to $1,000 a fortnight or just under. And, and, yeah, as you said, it's all about the balances. It's the stage three tax cuts. I feel like we should mention it at the start because to everything that I'm seeing, like I just, in my mind, for some reason I can't keep going away from the stage three ca- tax cuts. I'm like stage three no, tax cuts, $248 billion, mm-hmm. 10 years, disproportionately affects the like top 10%. Majority of it will go to the top 1% to 5% of earners people um, earning over 200k a year and yeah every time I see like oh well we can't do this because we don't have the money but we're still going to push ahead with stage three tax cuts which haven't been implemented so it's not like you're taking money away from people and they're like oh no like we're going to now have to plan how to do without this is money they haven't got yet and you could wheel it back and you're talking so much about the circumstances we're living in the economic conditions etc etc and we can't spend money on raising welfare, you know, rightly or wrongly, whatever people think. There's plenty of people who think welfare shouldn't go up. People should go out and get a job. But then again, it's like, do we need to be giving $248 billion to the top 1% to 10% mm. of the earners in society? Yeah, it just it doesn't make sense. And I feel like we've said this over and over, and so has everyone else, that they would not lose voters if they got rid of these tax cuts. The people <laughs> yeah. who these tax cuts are going yeah. to will not suddenly, if they even were Labor voters before, would not suddenly turn around and go, I'm not voting Labor because of that. And But they and, will lose voters for not increasing welfare. Exactly. Yeah. And either way, whether, sense. whether they get rid of the tax cuts or keep them, the people at Sky News will still call them socialists who rain down money just yeah. willy-nilly. It's yeah. not going to – it it boggles the mind that yeah. they're just sticking to this just because they don't want to be seen as backflipping on a decision yeah. where they supported the government because it was convenient for them at the time and would have been a slight political victory. It's also not the same as like when Gillard backflipped on the carbon tax. You know, you could debate whether she did or didn't all day. But they claimed that she backflipped on the carbon tax. It's not the same as that because – most people don't like billionaires. It's actually like yeah. the majority of Australians, we have tall pip poppy syndrome for a thing. We don't like rich people taking up too much space. So I think it would actually do a lot for them if they went, sorry, actually, too bad. You're rich. Mm. Like, too yeah. bad. Yeah. If I was to put my drip hat on right now, if I was to pretend I was a, a labour diehard who can just mental gymnastics their way into making anything labor does sound good 
there is a world where you could say maybe Labor are pushing this off till next year for the next budget just so they can, you know, have a political victory when they don't have a budget surplus and mm. maybe say try and mitigate some of the losses that they'll face in the next two budgets. But judging on their track record already, I'm not confident of that happening. Yeah, and even if they do do that, there's an issue around the fact that cost of living is bad now. Interest rates are peaking now that the housing crisis is increasing now. And if we wait another 12 months, more people are going to be homeless. More people are going to be feeling the brunt of all of this stuff. So even if they are playing it safe and waiting another year, who are all of these people that they have to sacrifice Mm. between now and 12 months from now in order to play it safe as if we also can't give them credit for something they haven't done. Yeah. 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 I, and I, just, I, 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 I know, I know we're, you know, three people sitting around here going, we should be spending money on this, spending money on this. I know money doesn't grow on trees. We all know money doesn't grow on trees. So why the fuck are we giving it to people who earn over 200K and the majority goes to the upper end of people earning over 200K? Yeah. Why are we going through with those tax cuts if money doesn't grow on trees? Yeah, it doesn't grow on trees. It grows in the bank accounts of people who earn more than 200K (laughs) a year. It's literally sitting there. There's also other taxes that they can look at as well that they haven't Mm. lent hard. You know, there are taxes around exports and environment and gas that they could lean harder into. Instead, they're taxing people who smoke. They're taxing people who smoke more than they tax the gas industry. Like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, it, it really is falling on the lower class and the individual to front their lack of revenue. And yeah. it just doesn't sit right in a time where they they campaigned 12 months ago, they campaigned that they were going to leave no one behind. Mm. Regardless of how you feel ethically, whether you support welfare or not, just the maths, the maths says that people are left behind in this budget. And yeah. so they've broken their election promise. They have backflipped actually. Yeah. So, Yeah. I think it's time, Leslie. The Wayne Swan tweet. Read it out for us, please. <laughs> so Wayne Swan, the old Labor treasurer in mm-hmm. the Rudd Gillard era, he retweeted this other person's tweet. I'm not going to name them because let's not bully people. But they said, a budget 2023 thought. How about praising the positives and pausing before charging straight onto trenchant criticisms? not far, big, fast enough, and reflecting on what the potato emoji government would be doing instead. Consolidate the gains, then press for further, bigger, faster. And then it's got a sassy Xena princess warrior gif on the bottom. But like, there was so there was so much of that online. Yeah. How yesterday. about how about so much? How about fuck up, Wayne? Honestly. <laughs> Like, yeah, there is. There's so much of that self-congratulatory praising shit. Like, let's talk about all the good things in it. There's fuck all good things in it. And anyone who uses a potato emoji to refer to a government or a politician, <laughs> oh, my God. That that kind of, like, that makes me see red. But anyway. But also Wayne Swan was the treasurer who, behind Kevin Rudd, gave people thousands of dollars when there was a global financial crisis. Mm. He was like, here's money. He was Let's grandma at Christmas. Welfare. Here's an like- envelope with money in it. <laughs> so then now that the party's doing the opposite, he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> like, I 
just like, what do you stand for, buddy? I'm sorry. Yeah, but- yeah. What, yeah. What what is this Labor oh, government God. standing for? Um, the, they're yeah. standing for themselves and yeah. really trying to balance that line in between still pretending they're a traditional Labor government and helping out welfare, but then also not playing into that stereotype of Labor governments mm. spending too much. As you said before, Wendell, just in a big old teenage identity crisis. Yeah. And maybe the Liberal Party would have done a worse budget. But they're not in power, so I'm not going to criticise. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah exactly. You like- can you can go out to dinner and have a place and be like, oh, this food's really not great. But then the dude next to you will say, well, yeah, but at least it's not a pile of shit that you're eating. And yeah, it's, yeah. Does yeah. that make it any better? They keep pointing at the other side. It's like, nah, dog, you're in government. You yeah. guys are in charge. Yeah. You got the yeah, keys. Yeah. You wanted this. You've been telling have us they- how much you wanted it for the last eleven years. Have Fucking they do something. How to not be in opposition? Do, like, have they literally forgotten how to do it? Yeah, and it's not exactly like the <laughs> opposition is really holding them to task on anything in particular at the moment. Like, no, they're going the backwards in the, the polls. Mm. They yeah. are playing on the flattest track. Like, they're yeah. playing on a road. This is a time where they could be racking up tons, double tons, triple tons, raising the bat, and they're just mm. fucking around, blocking it out. I don't know what, going for a drawn test match. And nobody likes drawn test matches. Nobody goes, that was an awesome drawn test match. Unless, Boring. you know, you're defending a total somewhere away on the subcontinent and you can find a way to fight it through, which extremely unlikely. That's the only time you enjoy a drawn test match. And that's this isn't it. Yeah. This isn't that. Not if you're playing a test match against Zimbabwe where they're undermanned and you're on your home turf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're looking to make a gritty 100 off 280 balls, no one's going to be impressed with that. But... We shall move on. You mentioned their energy and renewables-ish. <sighs> Twiggy Forrest is a very happy man. Yeah. Mention is the correct word because it was briefly mentioned and then moved along mm-hmm. very quickly yeah. when Treasurer Jim Chalmers spoke about it last night. He was like, and also this other thing that we're doing. And, and we do. Anyway, and then the next topic because it's pretty brief and it it's a little unclear as well. So there is energy relief. That is one thing that they have yeah. been bragging about. And I, I do think that this is a good thing that they are doing, that they are supplying up to $1.5 billion relief for people on those really low income brackets. So up to $500 relief for 5 million households. So mostly people on welfare or exclusively people on welfare, I should say. Look, it is interesting that it's kind of the way the relief is coming through whether it's going to be at a like a power company so it's going to be i think from what i understand it's going to be at a power company level where they basically go this is what you would have been charging people on welfare we're going to knock a few hundred dollars off the bill and you'll only charge them this much yeah so this also comes when they're raising petroleum rent resources tax and they're bringing that up and they're like, oh, well, that's going to cost companies, basically large resources companies, a couple of billion dollars a year. But then they're going to also be giving – and obviously there's separate different companies and all that sort of stuff. I'm looking at that more holistic view. Then mm-hmm. they're going to be giving $1.5 billion back to energy companies to lower the bills on prices that they've raised by a couple of hundred percent over the last couple of years. Yeah, so they're basically just giving money back to these companies to reduce their bills and make it cheaper for consumers, but at the same time not doing anything about actual prices, which are continually going up. And the war in Ukraine is continually causing all of our gas to be sold overseas and us to do nothing about it. Again, you're like, oh, hey, Chris Bowen, energy minister, remember when you were banging on about the trigger mechanism 
where you could stop prices going up and you'd force these yeah, companies to stop price. sending yeah. all of the gas overseas and you were going to cap it and you kept talking about it and you haven't actually said anything for the last six months about it. So what the fuck's going on? Maybe it's time to pull the trigger and lower the prices of these resources and stop these large companies just sending it all overseas while ordinary Australians just are struggling to pay bills. And again, it's like, yeah, there's going to be power relief, but the bills have gone up by so much anyway that it's like, okay, well, is it really going to make much of a difference? You're not doing anything to reduce power prices back to previous levels. It's just shaving the tiny bit off and then the cost will just go up anyway. So realistically, it feels like in six to 12 months time, people's power bills would have gone up by that much more anyway that the relief does. Yeah. And it's not long-term systemic change it's kind of plugging a hole in a sinking ship as well yeah. like it, we're not talking about structural investment and change and legislation that kind of forces things to change for even for even medium term or long term and it also is only to welfare recipients and those people definitely need help but it's the bracket above welfare recipients people who are on low income mm. that are also copying the worst of this energy crisis and statistically these people are more likely to be in rental properties less likely to have things like solar panels and so they are paying more in electricity per capita yeah and those people if they keep having to pay more in electricity could end up falling into the welfare pool as well so there is kind of this you know other group of people just above welfare but below you know Mm. a desirable wage that aren't getting any relief at all and in fact will end up copying the brunt of the increases Mm. more than anyone else so yeah again it's like papering over the cracks and the gyprock walls and the project home that are starting to shift and move yeah Mm. yeah it, it feels not sustainable either you know if prices keep increasing it's like well they already gave us $500, but now relatively, is that actually nothing? Yeah. So, yeah, it's and, and because we don't know how far prices will rise, we don't know if $500 will go far mm. or, or not. So, yeah. So, welfare recipients yeah. are being, they've been given the winner tag in that regards, in regards to power prices. You know, everything gets a winner and a loser tag. With power prices. Yeah, with power price, yes. they get the winner tag on that one. Yeah. But I tell you, else. my vote. <laughs> Because it's time now, we're talking energy and renewables. My vote for the biggest winner, the guy standing on top of the podium for the biggest oh, yeah. winner. I think I know who you're going to say. It's it's not JP's. It's Mr. Andrew Twiggy Forrest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking $2 billion to support Australian hydrogen. Green mm. hydrogen is mm. the way of the future. Is he, um, is he building some blimps or something? What's he doing? Yeah, he's, he's, you look, he's invested in the hydrogen space. Believe it or not, he's one of the only major players in the Australian hydrogen space. $2 billion from the government. They refuse to say exactly how and what that means, but it's basically tax incentives. And I'm sure there'll be grants and funding to help build sites and projects to get that up and running. Mm-hmm. That goes on top of the $3 billion the New South Wales government promised last year for green hydrogen. And also it comes at a time when I believe, and of course we're talking Twiggy Forest 
business. Not we're not talking Twiggy Forest personally. He's not doing this on his personal bank account. Fortescue signed a massive, massive deal. I believe to the tune of fifty billion dollars mm. um, with German energy companies for hydrogen. So basically, it's good. Federal government's going to tip in a couple of billion dollars, help Twiggy Forest get his hydrogen business properly up and running in Australia, and then he can cash in. Yeah, really good use of Australian taxpayer funds to help Twiggy Forest. I mean, look, he needs a, he needs a leg up. You know what I mean? We're supporting small business. Governments yeah. like to support small businesses. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to see. It's all about having a go, you know. They don't want to say specifically to jump on the back of Morrison's bandwagon, yeah. but, you know, you've got to give the average Aussie bloke a go. And, you know, it just so happens that this average Aussie bloke has a net worth of about $20 billion. <laughs> And also, hydrogen isn't Australia's least favourite renewable energy. That's nuclear. It's Australia's mm. second least favourite favorite renewable energy so that's fine mm. you know there's no announcements around solar or wind or hydro which famously is australia's favorite renewable energy generally when you ask people about it yeah the environment guys not a not a big player not a not a key key thing addressed in this budget which again when you think of the election where voters literally said across the board that the main issue they were voting on was environment. It's a very interesting hot take from the Labor Party to announce a bit of hydro. Mm. There was a there was a series of words. There was a bit of a slam poem after that about some things that were unclear. I heard the words green steel. Mm. Yeah, green steel words, sounds really good. Yeah, like green coal. I heard the words mm. investment in technologies. They are and now the launching this environment protection agency, which is basically a group of people who are going to enforce federal environmental laws, environmental yep. laws. We don't have many environmental laws, so it's probably going to be just a couple of people doing the best. And they announced $355 million, I think, in national parks funding, which sounds like a lot, but it's million, not billion. Yeah. And mm. a lot of our national parks got smashed in bushfires a few yeah. years ago. So, yeah, um, environment, a bit of a loser. Yeah. <laughs> big, big loser. <laughs> it environment does... failed to finish. Did not place. Yeah. DNF. No, did yeah. not place. Yeah. It does seem that, you know, once again, it's going back into this whole vibe that Labor is about at the moment where they got a clear kind of mandate of what people want them to do from the election. But now that they're in government, they're trying their best not to play into the stereotypes that people always drag them in, which is in this case with the environment, it just seems like they're really trying hard to impress you know, the Daily Telegraph and the Australian mm. riders who are going to say that they're essentially <laughs> just the Greens party wearing red ties and they're just bowing down to the mm. environment. But to try and press them, they're just going to say, oh, no, we are investing in the environment, but we're going to give all the money to this billionaire instead. So it's like, yeah, they're not going to like you anyway, Labor. Yeah. S stop trying to get them to like you. It's very Malcolm Turnbull approach mm. to renewable energy. <laughs> yes. You guys um, know there's more yeah. um, millennials voting now than boomers? Yeah, and just environment has also like gotten worse mm. and those mm. millennials are voting and, yeah, it just, yeah. again, where have you fallen it ethically? Politically it feels bad yeah. <laughs> regardless yeah. of what you believe in and what your priorities are because they'll just lose more seats to Greens and Teals next election if they don't do anything. So, yeah. Probably should touch on a couple of the good things that they did. 
Um, I know we talked a lot of shit about the government, but we should give them credit for a couple of things. Yeah, women and children, um, there's a few things around that. Yeah. They had already announced cheaper childcare, so that's not a new announcement, but it is coming in soon. July 1, so they reminded us all that that is happening. And they have pledged $590 million to end violence against women and children. I don't know what the details are yeah. in that pledge, yeah. but they they did actually give that some airtime. Yeah, um, and, and that, that is a sizable investment as well. So obviously, yeah, wait to see where it goes and how it's being used, but that's a sizable investment. $11.3 billion to increase wages for aged care workers by 15%. Mm-hmm. That's Love that. That's good. Lowly paid workers, um, you know, governments are always talking about people going out there and getting jobs. That's a lowly paid industry, which people are leaving. So to increase the wages there and keep people in that field of work, which is just growing and growing, we've got a burgeoning aged care sector, $14.9 billion, they reckon it'll cost. I'm st- Yeah. I mean, it's the whole aged care sector thing. That's just a different topic for us, I guess. But yeah, you know, 35% of private for profit, 50 mm. something percent uh, private not for profit. There's only like 9% government run aged care facilities. So again, it's that thing of like just letting what potentially could be their job or should be their job, letting someone else do it for them and not do it great, but chuck a heap of money in to pay some mm. workers and subsidise their business a little bit. But look, at the end of the day, if it means aged care workers are getting a 15% pay rise, fucking oath. Mm. They it deserve is, it. Obviously, yeah, it is good that they're getting the pay rise. But again, it just seems like they're doing a little bit of good, but it's not enough to fix the structural issues yeah, that yeah. exist with the way that these systems are put in place. And yeah. you can give them as much pay rise as you want, but when the sector is still dominated by the private companies who are not putting in the same investments mm. and who are not putting in the same effort and work. It's it's not going to fix the entire issue. So they did, you know, last year pledge they were going to get thousands of new nurses and aged care workers and that's just kind of fallen off the radar. Mm. I, maybe they realise that that's actually very hard to do. It's very hard to convince people to do those jobs. It would also require a massive overhaul of the university sector and yeah. the TAFE sector where courses for those things would have to be cheaper and they haven't touched universities at all. In this, um, there are some announcements around TAFE, but they haven't touched a university at all. And to be a nurse, you know, there are qualifications yeah. you have to get. Nah, international and, students are back, baby. Don't mm. need to touch universities. <laughs> leave them to their own yeah. devices. And they've been forced to come back as well. There's new rules that kick off in July 1st. That means that people can't study online anymore, basically. Mm. And so they're being forced to come back yeah. and forced to pay quite a lot of money yeah. to do That's so. That's it. Pay that money. Is... Get them back here. Get them working yep. in unregulated cash jobs that don't breach their visa conditions so you have cheap labor. And yeah, get them, and then they're get their... really double dipping in yeah. that pool because the hex indexing is going to come into play in July as well. So domestic students are also going to be paying a lot of money and domestic students who got degrees 10 years ago mm. who mm. didn't realise they were going to end up in thousands and thousands of more debt when they signed up. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> they're giving some people some more money, yeah, <laughs> but they're not making more people do the job. Yeah, maybe the increase in wage will like entice people to come, but I, yeah, yeah, 
It's not structural long-term change. No. I'm not sure if this is structural long-term change, but it should have immediate benefit, you would hope. $3.5 billion to triple bulk billing GP Mm. visits and incentivize doctors to bulk bill because most people would be familiar. It is very hard to find a bulk billing doctor now. So that's going to bring back bulk billing at doctor's practices around the country, you would hope. Mm. Yeah, I did. I was really excited when this announcement came up last night and then I did do a bit of a deep dive on what it actually means when they say tripling. So they actually mean they're tripling the incentive for GPs to deliver bulk bill sessions, which means that like, you know, if they got $10 rebate for someone doing a bulk bill, they're now getting $30. I think it actually might even be less than $10. So they're giving GPs a little bit more money to do bulk billing. And again, it's another example of what is a largely private industry now getting a bit of money to hopefully do the right thing. So I think it's a really exciting announcement if doctors' practices take it up. Yeah. But we need to see if they do. You'd hope they'd have run the numbers on that and figured out that, yes, this is enough to get doctors to take it up, right? Like there'd have to be some consultation, wouldn't there? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, yeah without knowing the process, it's hard to know. So hopefully this is a good thing. It was, For me, it was the most exciting announcement and it was really the only announcement that was not already pre-leaked or yeah. announced mm. as well. Because so. that's the other thing about the budget, isn't it? Like you get all these announcements and – there is plenty of stuff that just has always been in there or is already in there or was already announced and forecast. And it kind of gets like labeled as, look, we're spending this much money on this or we're saving this much money on this. And yeah, there's not not actually that much of the government's doing within a lot of those announcements. But yeah, that, that was something which is fresh, new, bang, hopefully should make a difference. Yeah, this is great. But I think one thing that will get overlooked a little bit, just because maybe this is such a positive that people will go yay and not really think about it too hard, something I couldn't really find much about in this area was improving the access for regional and rural populations to be able to access bulk billing doctors and Mm. people like that, which I think Mm. is some of the places where these issues surrounding GPs yeah. are the most yeah. desperate. So Yeah, because if you're in a regional town and the doctor decides they're not doing bulk billing anymore, yeah. you then go like, okay, well, I'm going to have to travel 100Ks, 150, yeah. 80Ks, however option. much. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so then you could pay a heap in petrol, time, everything. So you're forced to just pay for a non-bulk billing GP. So, yeah, that you're right. That's a good point. I didn't realise there were no stipulations around what they need to do, regional areas to actually make a change there. I wasn't sure if they had gone into some of the details of it and said that, you know, this has to be the case in regional and rural areas, but it didn't seem like on the surface that they were really pushing this, which kind of makes me think that they had just said, well, we're going to increase the bulk billing incentive and just hope people don't really Mm. think too hard about the rural and regional areas. There has been some money announced around First Nations health and housing in remote areas like Northern Territory, but the minutia of that and this other announcement and it is, yeah, that's a bit of minutia that we'd have to kind of really follow up on. Yeah, and we haven't been told yet. It's a good yet. point to raise. And there were announcements previously when Prime Minister Albanese was in Alice Springs as well. So where does that fit into what mm. has got, like, is this a new announcement? What does it mean? Where is it actually going to go? Yeah, it was very much kind of mentioned and then moved on. So it didn't yep. feel like it was a big headline yep. announcement. So it might be that same pool of money. And should we wrap it up with the $150 million for political staffers? 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, another winner in this budget is Anthony Albanese himself and politicians mm. because they're getting more staff, bigger offices. Woohoo! They're getting increased travel allowance as well. So get excited to see more politicians on your front doorstep as they will come to you and ask for your votes again. Jim Chalmers says it's all about community consultation. Everyone having one more staffer, they'll be able to commute. They'll be able to consult with the community so much better. Which I mean. In a run-up to voice to parliament is maybe a good thing, but it's a weird one because they cut staffing when they entered. Yeah, last and they year. they cut and it for like, Greens oh. and Independents. <laughs> yeah, they cut it yeah. for the Greens and Independents, saying you know they had too many staff, but then they're giving they, everyone gets one more staff member for this. Yeah, yeah. So they cut it for the the like they took one away from some people. And then they went, oh, we're going to give you one back, but yeah. we're going to get another one. Yeah, on as top well, as well. Because that's equitable. And that's because <laughs> so. it comes on the backdrop of the Sally Rugg case about working hours and what's expected and all that sort of stuff as well. So maybe they're foreseeing that there's going to be some crackdown in how long staffers can work and what can happen there and sharing the load yeah. around. But again, lifters and leaners in this fucking, this whole debate about tightening purse strings and, you know, we can't spend money on everything and money doesn't grow on trees grows on trees when it comes to giving themselves more staffers. That's it. It's that like this as an idea, as a policy, isn't necessarily bad or fraught in itself. It's again, it's where we're prioritising where the money goes. And this is clearly a priority for them. So Yeah. Well, now that, you know, we're well and truly beyond COVID and that's behind us, people want to travel again, you know, increase travel allowances. The politicians need to get out there and spread their message. Labor obviously have a really tough time selling this budget and their track record in government. So they need that extra bit of help to go talk to the people and tell them what mm. a good job they're doing. Mm. And there's going to be lots of trips to America and England for these submarines. So yeah, true. Oh, yeah. Shout out Scott Morrison, by the way, the man behind oh, Orcus. Congratulations, <laughs> yeah. Scott. Did you guys see he got a new job? Yeah, well, yes, he has, but he hasn't resigned from Parliament. No. Mm. Yeah, he got a job with an American defence body, and I believe he's also looking at one with a UK defence organisation slash company. So good for him, hey? You know, that's a bit of payday for uh, (laughs) spending a few hundred billion dollars on submarines. He's got himself a nice cushy job. The comeback kid. Ah, that's that's a topic for... For next time we talk. Yeah, my money. So we're recording this on Wednesday, the day after the budget. My money is that he's going to announce his resignation on Friday so that he can have a nice comfy weekend Mm. away from Parliament House and not deal with the media scrutiny. So we'll find out. We (laughs) shall see. That's it, I think, for the budget. I think we we all kind of threw out that, gave our insights, our perspectives. Any more takes, any more um, final words you guys would like to say on this budget? I think the biggest loser in this budget is the Labor Party. Yeah, mm. nice. Because the they're going to lose votes. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. legacy of the Labor Party. It's just I, I don't know what I don't know what it is. I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't really know what their long term strategy is and how they envisioned all of this working moving forward. But I guess we'll see. Do your Dave. Yeah. Look, I think all of my thoughts have already been articulated quite well. It's 
no big surprise. I don't think that anyone will be shocked by any of the spending or any of the not spending going on. But I am just, you know, once again, I'm sad it's over for another year. I've started the countdown clock for next year. Can't wait to see what they come up with. Hey, and we got Peter Dutton. We got Peter Dutton on tonight. He'll have the response true. to the budget. But then after that, yeah, it's very much the hangover, isn't it? The post-budget yeah. hangover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wondering. and the sequel's never as good as the original. <laughs> so no. how many people no. are going to watch it tonight? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So true, Liz. Anyway, that's it. Thanks very much for your company. Always great to talk to you. And we look forward to talking soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. See ya.